Thank you for tuning in to today's life message from Cornerstone Church. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging message. If you would like more information about the church, stay tuned after this podcast. This is our last Sunday in the Grow in Action. Our theme this year is Grow. Our first month was Grow in Faith, or Grow in Vision, Grow in Faith, and now it's Grow in Action. And next month, it's Grow in Love. And so we encourage you to tune in, come and, and hear these messages. Our preaching team has divided the weeks up, and I'm excited. I share offerings almost every week, but this is my first Sunday I get to preach in the new building, so I'm excited. Y'all are not Okay, all right. Oh, you know, I am a person who likes action. I don't like inaction. That bothers me. When I have a day off and I sit down, I'm bothered by it. It bothers me a lot because I see things that need to be done and it bothers me. And so they picked me to preach on the month in action because I like to get things done. I was a county commissioner for four years and I, oh. The speed at which government moves is not for this gal. <laughs> and so I realized very quickly that, oh, you can't get much done. And it drove me crazy. I like action. I like to get jobs done. We're finishing up one of the last projects in this building, which is the staircase. I started that October the 1st, and it's still not done should be done this week, but oh, I like for things to move along. In fact, when they don't start moving along, I find myself going, <clears throat> hello, can we move along here? Um, when my daughter was about four years old, we were driving down the road, and somebody pulled out in front of me, and from the back I heard her say, come on, people, and I was like, where did she hear that from? <laughs> We're going to look at some scripture verses this morning. Um, I just want to recap what's happening in John before we get to John chapter 6. Jesus was performing many, many miracles. He had turned the water to wine. He had met the woman at the well. He raised a boy from the dead. He healed a man at the pool of Bethesda on the Sabbath. And he had declared himself equal with God. All this had just taken place. And he stirred up some controversy when he declared himself equal with God. In fact, um, in John chapter 6, it says that um, they were very upset with him because, not because of the miracles that he did, but because he declared himself equal with God, which I thought was kind of interesting. So I want to look at John chapter 6, verses 1 through 29. I'm not going to read them all. And if you don't want to turn there, listen. Sometimes people uh, absorb by listening. Some people absorb by reading. So if you are a reader, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6. If you're a listener, listen to what the Word of God has to say. Verse 2 says, A great multi multitude followed him because they saw what Jesus did. They saw him heal those who were diseased. Verse 3, Jesus went up into a mountain and he sat with his disciples. Verse 5, when Jesus lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company coming towards him. And he said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread that these people can eat? He said this to prove Philip because he already knew what he was going to do. Don't you love that? Philip said, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient among so many 
One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, There's a lad here. He has five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what is that among so many people? And Jesus said, Make the men to sit down. There was much grass. So they sat down and there was about 5,000 men. Verse 11, Jesus took the loaves when he'd given thanks. He distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and the fishes as well. Verse 12, when they gathered up, he said to his, when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments so that nothing is lost. And they gathered together the fragments and it filled 12 baskets. Of five, of five barley loaves, which remained over and above which they had eaten. And those men, which had seen the miracles that Jesus did, said, this is a, pro this is a prophet. Um, and if you go down to verse 17, the next thing that happens is they get into a ship and they go across the sea. And the Bible tells us that a storm arises and Jesus comes to them and he tells them, it's me, don't be afraid. Verse 21 says they willingly received him into the ship and they went to the land. And then if you go on over to um, verse 29, Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe on him who has sent me. So I want to, my first point this morning is Jesus always gives his people direction. The Lord always gives us direction. Now I work in a school and I give lots of directions. Are my directions always followed? Come on. What do you think? No. By the children and the staff. They're not always followed. And by parents. We give parents directions and parents say, I, I don't know about those directions. But Jesus always gives us directions. If you look at verse 10, Jesus said to the disciples, make the men sit down. What was the direction? Make the men sit down. I gave you the answer. All right. Verse 11. What is the instruction? Jesus gave thanks. He gave them the um, bread. And he said, distribute it. And I think I looked at the wrong verse. Make them to sit down. And then they distributed the bread. Yes. Verse 11. He distributed the bread. So first he told the men, sit down. Then he gave the disciples the bread. And he said to do what? Pass it out. That's right. Distribute it. He was giving directions. Verse 12. There was another set of directions. What was the next set of the directions? Gather up what's left. Sit down. Distribute it. Gather up what's left. Okay, verse 19. I didn't read it, but they got into a ship and they began to row. In fact, some translations said they rowed, about th they rowed their boat about three miles. Three to five miles. So they were rowing. Verse 21 says, they willingly received him into the ship. So what was the action there? They received Jesus. And then verse 29 says that they believed. So the Lord always gives us direction. God is giving you direction all the time. We have a choice to follow it. The disciples, when Jesus said, make the men to sit down, they could have said, well, I don't understand why you want me to do that. We don't have any food. Why do I have to make them sit down? Simon Peter could have said, why are you making me sit? You always ask me to do all the hard stuff. What about John, the beloved? Shouldn't he be making the people sit down since he's your favorite? 
can you see? But they did what Jesus said. It was a simple instruction, have the people sit down. I think oftentimes we miss what God wants to do in our lives because we miss the simple instructions of things he's telling us to do. Say amen or oh me or something. Amen. So Jesus gave them directions. Make them sit down. These were things that they could do. He didn't ask them to do anything that they could not do, right? Can you see that? What he asked them to do, they could do it. Say what Jesus asked me to do, I can do it. Y'all don't sound like it. Let's try it again. What the Lord asked me to do, I can do it. Thank you, Ashley. Now, oh, that was Brianna. All right, thank you. After direction comes action. When I give a direction, can I tell you what I expect next? Action. That's right. Go clean your room. What do I expect? Go clean your room. I expect a yes, ma'am. Aye, aye, captain. I'll do it. When I tell the children, sit down. That is what I expect them to complete the action of my direction. Can you say amen? All right, so let's look at Matthew chapter 4. After direction comes action. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 says, And Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. They were doing their job, their occupation. God called them while they were doing their occupation. I think that's a beautiful picture of Jesus. He said unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. When did they do it? Immediately. They left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of De Zebedee and John his brother in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. When did they go? Immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. When we have direction, we need to make immediate action. You drag your feet, what tends to happen? Nothing. Have you ever dreaded a task and then you finally just said, all right, I'm not going to put it off anymore. I'm going to do it. You know the energy to get it done usually comes after you take the first step. This is true. This is true. Put off the homework. It's like, oh. No, just start. There's something supernatural that happens when you just start. When you just start. So immediately, immediately means instantly without delay. Instantly without delay. Look at Mark chapter 16, verse 15. It says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and I am always with you to the end of the world, to the end of the age. Jesus wants us to, when he calls us, to do it immediately. And here, he's commissioned us to go. These are action words, and I like them. To go. What does go mean? Ready, set, go. What's it mean? Start moving. 
Ready, set, go. Go. All right, let's look at one more verse. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, In the acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now, say now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Go immediately now. See why I picked these verses? Now, what does now mean? The present time. Right now. Say now. What are y'all waiting on? Some of you are waiting on something. No, now. Say do it now. Do it now. (laughs) Do it now. Do it now. So after direction comes action. There's three words here, immediately and go and now. Those are action words. I want to tell you that belief plus action results in miracles. And it takes both. It it really takes both. If you have action and no belief, miracles do not stem from that. If you have belief and no action... There is something supernatural that takes place when you believe what God says and then you act like you believe what he says, when you act like it. See, your actions show your faith. Your actions show your faith. That's all they are. When I tell my kids to do something and they do it, I'm like, they, they, they listen. If I say, go clean your room, we're going to get ice cream, they go clean their room, and they get ice cream, they showed that they believed what I said. They put some action to their belief, and they wouldn't did. Sometimes I have to do that to get their room cleaned. I'll just be honest with you. I want to read James chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. Now, James talks about faith and works, not in a way to condemn you. How many have been to churches where if you weren't doing enough stuff, you were condemned? Anybody ever been there? I have. And it seems like the bar always moves. Like you can never do enough stuff because somebody else is doing more stuff than you. That's not the context that James is talking about faith and works. We're going to read it out of the Message Bible. Here's what he says. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come up to an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved, and you say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts? is outrageous nonsense. I can already hear some of you agreeing with me and saying, oh, that sounds good. You take care of the faith department and I'll handle the works department. Oh, not so fast, James says. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, work and faith, they fit together hand in glove. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you've done something wonderful? That's just great. Even the demons do that. But what good does it do them? Use your heads. Do not suppose for a minute that if you cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands, wasn't our ancestor Abraham made right by God by works when he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar? Isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked partners? That faith 
expresses itself in works. And that works are works of faith. The full meaning of believe in the scripture says Abraham believed God and was set right with God. It included his action. It's the weave of believing and acting that got Abraham named God's friend. Is it not evident that a person is made right with God, not by barren faith, but by faith fruitful in works? The same with Rahab, the harlot. Wasn't her action in hiding God's spies and helping them to escape that seamless unity of believing and doing what God, what counted with God? The very moment you separate body and spirit, you end up with a corpse. Separating faith and works, you get the same thing, a corpse. Now that is an interesting verse, the way that James puts it. It's not works apart from faith and faith apart from works. It's faith and works together. If you believe what God says, you will do the things that God says you can do. They go together. But some of us believe what God says and we're like, hmm, I don't know about the next step. And we sit. It doesn't mean that we're not saved. You're saved by faith alone. But God wants people, he wants us to have fruitful lives, to have fruitful lives. And so we, our actions show where your faith lies. Let me give you a good example. If I have a little child that loves and trusts me and we're in the swimming pool and we're in the deep end and they can't swim and I'm standing there saying, jump, what shows that they believe me? When they jump. Not when they say, I believe you. It's the action that shows what they believe. Now, again, this is not in any way to condemn anyone, but I hope it is to spur you on to begin moving forward with action. Do you know you're never too young or never too old for God to use? This building is a testimony of what God did at this church. It's a testimony. Many of us have lots of reasons why God can't do something in our lives, or many reasons why God what why what God has called us to do can't happen. Excuses and reasons kind of go hand in hand. We'll call them reasons. I'll be polite. I won't call them excuses. But some reasons that I hear people say they can't do something is money. Say money. Have you ever heard somebody say, oh, we can't do that. We don't have the money. Anybody ever heard that? Here's another one. Oh, we can't do that. I don't know how. I don't know how to do that. Hmm. Ignorance is bliss. Some of us don't want to know how. I've heard that one. Or um, we can't do that. We can't do that. You know, I. Mm, that's just not me. It's not, you know, not my cup of tea. Anybody ever heard those reasons for why people won't do things? So here's this building we're sitting in. It's a commercial building. Can I tell you something? I'm not a commercial developer. I don't know how to run a commercial construction company. I don't. And we did not have the money for this building. All of those things are true. But we just decided to start moving forward with an unqualified person leading 
the commercial construction project valued at $2.1 million. Why don't you take that in your pipe and smoke it for a minute? Think about that. Think about that. $2.1 million, it's what it's valued at. That isn't what we spent, but when the architect got done, he said, this is going to cost you $2.1 million. And they gave the project to me. And guess what? I just, I was like, oh, well, let's start. Let's start. Do you think I made some mistakes along the way? Oh, yes, I did. Thank you for being very kind. Yes, I did. Because there were some things I didn't know. Can I tell you what God did with my mistakes? Immediately, he fixed them. And I'm not kidding. Immediately, God fixed them. Because God is moved by our faith and our action. He's moved, that moves the hand of God. Not need, not want, not desire. It's faith in action that moves the hand of God. So here we were, just clicking along. Now, I've messed up along the way, but I did some things right. I did some things right. Thank you, Jesus. And that was just the wisdom of the Lord. But we just decided to start. Can I tell you what happened after we started? Money and resources came our way. Many of us wait. We want to wait until everything is perfect. Who in here is Al has anything ever in your life been absolutely perfect for you to start something I'm talking to Leah best father has have has if you wait for everything in your life to be perfect before you start something would it ever get started or finished it would not you wait for everything in your life to be perfect. Sometimes you have to just start in the mess. Sometimes you just have to start in the chaos. Sometimes you just have to start. You just have to start. So we embarked on this construction project, building three. We finished it in phases. My staircase that I've been talking to you all about, that's how most commercial projects go. I've been trying to get those done since October 1. It's soon going to be April 1. There's been one delay with one contractor. There was delay with material. There was... <sighs> when we said go on this project here, not the steps, but the sanctuary in this building, from studs to the first service was 24 weeks. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. If you've been around any construction project, anybody ever build a house? Oh, the rain delays the house, doesn't it? Then if you have rain, then the next contractor got delayed, and oh, it's just delay after delay. 24 weeks we went from studs to our first service. And not just a first service in a building that didn't have carpet and chairs or a finished, everything was finished in 24 weeks. That's amazing. That's a miracle. All because somebody just got started. Somebody just got started and believed that God would do what he said he was going to do. We just started rowing our boat. You see in John chapter 6, they were rowing their boat and a storm came. And Jesus was right there. 
Jesus was right there. Beliefs plus action equal miracles. Listen, before I came to Statesville, there was no Cornerstone Christian Academy. Before pastor came to Statesville, there was no Cornerstone Church. Think about that. What if we would have stalled on the call of God and said, ah, I don't know. I'm not sure. See, obedience is the catalyst that opens the doors for you. And you can miss an opportunity. Has anybody ever missed an opportunity? You look back and like, oh, I missed an opportunity. When I failed to start Cornerstone Christian Academy, can I just be brutally honest with you guys? Just like managing this project, I was the least qualified person to open a school. There's, that's not, I'm not trying to be humble. I'm being honest. <laughs> I had a high school diploma. That's it. That's it. Nope, that's it. I started my first semester of college. I thought the doctor was wrong about my due date for my son. I thought I'd make it through the semester. Guess who didn't make it through the semester? Me. Didn't realize you needed to withdraw from classes or the F's stay on your transcript? Me. I opened Cornerstone Christian Academy. The least qualified person to do it. I must have been a good salesman because 12 other people put their kids in the school that year. I mean, I was like... I was barely older than the students that were enrolling. Think about that. <sighs> but I believed God and decided to just take a step forward. I didn't know the next step, but I knew I was going to take a step. We said, okay, well, I know what curriculum we want to use. So I called hello we'd like to start a school what do we need to do and they said oh lucky you next week is the last training of the summer to open a school uh, great where is it houston texas uh okay can we sign up sure your senior pastor needs to come so dad bobby and i drove to houston texas quickly i was like dad you got to go to texas <laughs> texas I don't want to do this. I did this once already. That's what he said. Well, you got to do it again. And we went to Texas. And um, we had a little bit of money. And so we bought stuff for the school. In, in Texas, if you were a really good student that week at the school that they were training you, you'd get fake money. And I mean, I didn't get a demerit the whole week. I memorized every scripture. I was a good student because I needed that merit money because I needed to buy stuff for the school. So I bought border for bulletin boards and all this stuff we just bought whatever we could we loaded up that little car we came back first week in august started the first week in september and somehow in that month word got out and 12 students joined us on that journey they all survived a few of them have come back to work for me do i know a whole lot more now have I been to college? Yes. Those things didn't qualify me, though. What qualified me was I knew what God had called me to do. I believed him, and I took a step. And then he showed me the next step. And 27 years later, ta-da!
Now people come to see what we're doing. They call us up for advice. A gentleman that I respect that has a lot of clout in the educational world, um, I attended a conference, and we talked, and he said, what kind of school do you have? His school has 5,500 students in Raleigh, North Raleigh Christian Academy, just a beautiful campus. He's over the head of a large edu Christian education association. And he said he wanted to come by and tour the school. And I was like, oh, you've got a school of a big. He said, I want to see what you're doing. So he came in, and he was just blown away by what the Lord's done and what we were doing. And uh, he told me, he said, you've got something special here. He said, it's, it's amazing. And so what my point is, not to toot my horn, but that God, God showed us the next steps as we started. Listen, when they started rowing that boat and they got in the storm, he showed them the next place to go. Contrary to the other instructions the Lord gave them, in chapter 6, he told them, make the people sit down. He told them, distribute the food. He told them to gather the food up. But when they got in the boat, he didn't say row. Because they, know, they knew what to do in a boat. Are you all with me? There are some things you don't need instructions from the Lord to do. You just start doing them. And then when the storm came, Jesus was right there and took them to the other side. So he gave them instructions, but he didn't give them every instruction. God told us to start a school. We started a school. He didn't give me instructions on how to keep the books. He didn't give me instructions on, you know, starting time and closing time. He expected me to just figure some things out. But, buddy, when I needed him, when, I got in a, a, when a storm came, when things happened that I didn't know what to do, the Lord never left me in the middle of the boat, in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the storm. And he won't leave you there either. There are so many ministries and ways that God wants to show his love. The purpose of the school is to educate children, but it's really to show the love of God through education. That's our tool. I can't tell you how many children and families that we've been able to extend hope to because this 22-year-old girl with a new baby and another one on the way and a husband that said, I believe God's called you to do it. Go for it. Okay. We'll go for it. We'll go for it. We'll go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Don't sit back and wait. Go, go, go. There's so many different ways God wants to use you to reach people. Do you think we've exhausted his creativity on ministries to reach people and ways to reach them? God wants to, to speak to you in a way that's unique to you to show his love. We got some cool stuff going to happen here at Cornerstone. June the 12th, Carolina Dogwood Beauty Festival, beauty pageant is going to take place right in here. Yes, it is. Why? Why? What a wonderful way for a church to reach into a community that most churches won't reach into, the beauty pageant world. 
I mean, come on, why can't it be us that reaches those girls? And they come here and they experience a church that shows the love of the Lord. That's awesome. In a few weeks, six in the morning, if you, if you want to come, there'll be a uh, yoga class for silver sneakers, they call them, the over 60 crowd, and chair yoga. Yeah, you can come. Come to yoga class. Why would a church do that? Come on. This is a tool. This building is a tool that the Lord wants us to use. You are a tool that the Lord wants to use. We ran fast with this project, 24 weeks. It was fast. In fact, sometimes it was so fast, I, I just would go, <laughs> I just want to have words, and that's amazing that I would run out of words, but it happened so fast. But do you think that I ran as fast as God wants to run? I tried to keep up, but I believe he wants to run fast. It's his desire that no one is lost. He wants to reach the world, and he wants you to come with him and to get on this exciting adventure called the gospel oh it's been exciting it's been scary i'm sure that storm was scary that they were in i've had some times like that man the big recession of 2007 hit and i did something i never thought i'd do i laid my own mother off it was terrible <laughs> really she i said i you need to come to the office. She's like, what's wrong? I said, sit down. I, said, I have to lay you off. She's like, oh, it's okay. And I was like, oh. <laughs> That's terrible to lay your own mother off. Oh. I tell the kids at school, you don't think I'll suspend you? I laid my own mother off. So <laughs> just try it, buddy. <clears throat> oh, the Lord is really good and he's faithful. And then I hired her back. I was like, the layoff's over. You can come back. But do I think for one minute that I've tapped into the vast expanse of what's, what is God's imagination for this church? How prideful would that be? I don't even think we've scratched the surface. And that's exciting to me. God is a God of action. And he wants to do things in this church. And he wants to use you. He wants to use you. Oh, it's wonderful now when we show people the school. Like, it's, it's the fruitful part. We sowed. Here comes Gus with the tissues. Thank you, Gus. If you attend this church very long, at some point in the service, I will need these. Thank you, Gus. We should just put them up here. We, we spent years plowing the ground and pulling out the rocks and planting the seeds. And now we're at the part where we're sowing and it, or we're reaping what we've sown. And boy, is it ever sweet. The fruit is sweet. It's sweet. There were some long days. There were some hard days. There were some days full, filled with sweat and tears and blood. Lots of things. But man, we just kept going. All right, Lord, here's our, we'll just do the next thing. You haven't given direction, we'll keep rowing. All right, we'll keep rowing. You'll tell us what to do here in a minute. We know it. we're just going to keep rowing. And now the fruit is sweet. In fact, I can't keep up with 
enrollment. <sighs> there was a time I was like, okay, Lord, if we can have four new students this summer. Last year, 85 new students over the summer. This year, it's going to be the same. And opportunities, I see opportunities everywhere I look. I see opportunities for God's hand, for his heart to be revealed. Oh. If you only knew what God wanted to do with you, you would start walking, you'd just start running. If you only knew, if you only knew. There's ministries yet that God wants to have in this church. I don't know what they are, but I know God will use what he's gifted you with. Do you know what a blessing it is to go into a community and be able to cut hair for children who can't afford a haircut? That's the hands of God. I don't know if that's your ministry. Maybe you never thought about it. Maybe all you know how to do is, you know, number one guard on the clippers, but that will work. God wants to use you. Maybe your heart is for teenagers who found themselves in an unwanted pregnancy. There's, there's a place for ministry here for that. Maybe your heart is for wayward young men who've made bad decisions and they're trying to now get their lives back together. Do we have any grown men who su survived wayward decisions as a teenager? Can you raise your hand, men? Okay, so there's hope, right? Somebody came along and helped restore you, right? Yes, they did. I could go on and on. I won't. <laughs> I could. Because there's so many stories of when we just started moving, how God brought the money, how God brought the resources, how God equipped us with knowledge. Don't wait for the knowledge and the money and the time. Because the truth is, when you have the money in life, you'll be almost out of time. And when you have the time, you usually don't have the money. Some of you that are at the end of your life know what I'm talking about. Got all the money in the world, but now life is short. Don't wait for the time or the money or the resources or just start taking a step forward. And there's room for everybody from the youngest to the oldest. Isn't God good? So four questions in closing. What is God calling me to do? What is he calling me to do? Is it a quilting ministry for, I don't know, I'm just throwing stuff out there because God's pretty creative. Maybe it's a hot tea ministry, I don't know. <laughs> I ended up at a coffee shop in Memphis, Tennessee. We went there because it had the name of our daughter, Cadence. It was Cadence Coffee Company, CCC. So we went, Bobby and I went, and I just noticed it was kind of a different coffee shop. And they were like, you can take your coffee over there into the next area. And we went in the next area, and it was kind of different. So I, I went to the person working behind the I said, tell me about this coffee shop. She said, oh, yes, the section that you're in over there, that's our church, and this coffee shop is an outreach of our church. I said, oh, how cool is that? She said, yeah. I said, well, how did you come up with the name? How did you all come up with the name Cadence? She said, well, Cadence means rhythm, and we're just trying to follow the rhythm of God. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Isn't that cool? 
a coffee shop and a church and storefront downtown Memphis, Tennessee. Reaching people with the love of God, every coffee cup served. That's cool. What's God calling you to do? I don't know. You do, though. What's stopping you from taking the first step? What would happen if you took a chance? You might just end up 27 years later with something really amazing, like what we're doing here. 30 years later, here's Cornerstone. 27 years later, there's the academy. And we're still here. We're still here. And what in the world do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? A little bit of money? The Lord will give it back to you. A little bit of time? Oh, he can make your days long and productivity. What do you have to lose? Not much, but I'll tell you, you have a whole lot to gain. Do you know how full my life is because of all the students who've crossed my path? Do you have any idea how full my life is? You guys were upstairs when um, James came back from Fort Bragg. He was 14 years old here at Cornerstone in a bad situation, and we loved on him. How many remember when James came back to see us? Yes. James was like, Cornerstone made a difference in my life. My life is so full. I see people and children, and I covered the gray hair, but now the children, they're bringing their children back, and so it's just, it's, God wants to do something that will just blow your mind with your life. I just encourage you to take a, take a chance. We'll help you. This church will help you, won't we? We'll help you. We've got space now. We'll help you. We'll pray for you. I'll give you a kick in the pants. Man, I tell you, God wants to do something amazing with this, this church for people. He wants to do something amazing for white people and black people and brown people. 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 Cornerstone can be the church that reaches people. People. We can be the church that says, Race does not divide us. Economics do not divide us. Age does not divide us. Even political parties don't divide us. Can you say amen? Can't we be the church that is about the love of God reaching people? Yes, we can. All right. Father, we just thank you that you call us to go, but you don't leave us. You give us instruction. Then you come and you rescue us, you guide us, you show us next steps. You are good. Lord, I just pray that today in this place that you speak vision and life to people. Father, let them find their calling. Let them find their place in you. And God, let them run, run, run. And Lord, don't let us wait any longer. When we start thinking of why it can't happen, let us put our eyes on you and see the God who can make anything possible. The God who can turn any circumstance for our good. 
the God who can take any bad situation and make it right. The God who can take the misfit, the broken, the unqualified and make them whole and qualify them in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's encouraging podcast. You can find out more information about the church on our Facebook page at Cornerstone of Victory Church, Statesville. Remember, life begins at the cross.